0: When I was in primary school, I was bullied because I couldn't skip. Like on the skipping rope, I think. Or even it was like normal skipping, I don't know. And apparently I skipped day and night to prove this girl wrong that I could actually skip. And I think that's taken me through life to many different places because the whole time I've had this desire to say, well, I'm not the person that you thought I was going to be. I can be so much more than that.
1: This is Unforgettable Moments a podcast presented by Forever New. The moments that shape our lives can fly past in the blink of an eye. The time we fell in love. The moment we decided to forge our own path. Each moment special, yet too often forgotten as we hustle towards the next milestone. In a world where everyone's rushing to get ahead and create change, we ask, how can we pause and reflect on the moments that made us the women we are today? I'm Michelle Echidnor from The Peers Project show producer and host and in this four part series we go behind the curtain into a pivotal moment of a reputable woman's life and discover how it shaped them into who they've become today our guest today is madeline butchner the ceo and founder of little dreamers australia a leading not-for-profit organization that supports the siblings of sick children and young carers What I love about Madeline is how her story with Little Dreamers really began when she was just nine years old and was carried through into her high school years. After her brother was diagnosed with a myriad of health conditions, Madeline spent her childhood accompanying her family in and out of hospital, growing up around doctors and nurses. When her mum was subsequently diagnosed with breast cancer, Madeline was suddenly thrust into the role of a young carer. 16-year-old Madeleine became determined to create a program that would support young carers around the world. From there, Little Dreamers Australia was born. Since then, Madeleine Butchner has gone on to become a recipient of the Order of Australia Medal, a Queen's Young Leader, and the AFR's 100 Women of Influence Young Leaders winner. Today, Madeleine takes us behind the curtain of a pivotal moment of her life, her high school graduation.
0: In high school, I was such a dork. I think I was like this weird mix between a dork and a nerd. And I was a straight A student, except for I got one E in year 11 English. And I think that nearly killed me. And I was captain of everything. I wanted to be included in absolutely everything. I actually moved high schools at the beginning of year nine. So it felt like I could reinvent myself when I moved schools and become whoever I wanted to be. And apparently that was the dorkiest kid in the entire world. And yeah, I guess I just wanted to be a part of everything. I was in the Student Representative Council. I was our cultural captain, it was called, which I was the conductor of our house choir. And for someone who has zero musical talent or experience, that was an interesting experience. And then I was school captain in year 12. So that was, I think, the cherry on top of everything I tried to or
1: attempted to do throughout
0: my high school life.
1: Oh, Maddie. I mean, you know, you're such a star. It's so crazy to hear that back then you were just going at it and you were like, you know what? I just want to be in every role, in every position and just really help out where I can. And I think it's really shone through now with Little Dreamers and, and what you're doing now. I think what I'm interested to know is, you know, you describe yourself as a dork and you're like, that's just who I was. Did that? bother you? Did you ever feel like you got picked on at all? Did you ever feel like you were an outsider or did you just go along your merry way? And...
0: Oh God, I was so self-conscious as a teenager and throughout high school I cared what everyone thought about me. I was constantly trying to be this version of me that I don't think ever existed. I was really badly bullied throughout high school so I think that impacted the way I saw myself and the way I wanted to be around people And it's actually the reason that I moved schools at the end of year eight, beginning of year nine, because of how badly bullied I was. So I, yeah, I was so self-conscious as a a teenager. And sometimes that still comes out. I'm 27 years old. and, And sometimes that definitely still comes out today. But I'm really happy with, I guess, who I was when I graduated high school versus who I was when I started high school. I think I really found my people and I found out who I was. And I became the type of person who I wanted to be by the end of high school and that's definitely not the person who I am today but I mean over the last 10 years you grow up a lot I think from 18 to 28 but yeah I I cared what everyone thought about me in high school and followed all of those trends including dyeing my hair red and getting a fringe. (laughs)
1: Just, I actually want to see a photo. No, that would. There, that zero, would be there is zero, really zero
0: photo evidence oh, of speak this. Speak
1: to your mother. It's nah. going to happen. It's nah. going to happen. No, I. You know what, Maddie? I, I so appreciate your openness and just your willingness to talk about this. I think so many of us cringe about our high school days. We just think, oh my goodness, let's not talk about that. But I think it's when we do and when we just go, you know what, I was badly bullied or I was, I did struggle with fitting in. You know, I can only imagine today with, with social media how much harder that would be for kids. But I guess my question to you is you mentioned that you had a really kind of good group or friendship group when you moved to that second school. How do you find your people when you feel like you, everyone's against you?
0: I, oh, I think that you just... I clicked with certain people and I actually think that the two of my closest guy friends in in high school, I was put between them in my year 10 science class to stop them from talking and... I mean, bad luck to my science teacher because then the three of us became really good friends. <laughs> um, but uh, year nine, I the people I became friends with when I moved to the school in year nine definitely weren't my closest friends when I graduated. And I was definitely better friends with boys than I was with girls at school. I found girls quite gossipy and quite bitchy at times. Um, and I did have a, a couple of really close girlfriends when I finished, but definitely much closer with boys throughout my high school life, which I think... It, made me confront different situations differently. I heard the way they were talking about girls and I was able to correct them on things and and pull them into line a few times when what they were talking about wasn't all that nice to people. And I heard a different side of the conversations that I probably wouldn't have heard had I been friends with only girls. But I mean, one of my best friends in the world now is a friend that I went to high school with. And we weren't that close in high school and we actually work together now and she's one of my closest friends. But Yeah, we definitely, we were friendly in high school, but we definitely weren't as close as we are now. So it's interesting to see how, I guess, those friendships and those groups change both throughout your high
1: school life, but also after it as well. It's so interesting. And even when you said, you know, it's been 10 years, you know, and then looking back and now one of your best mates, it's what I find interesting is that often in high school, don't even know if we appreciate the friendships that are there. Or we just kind of see these people every day. You know, how do you think kind of navigating high school and having kind of different groups and whatnot, how do you think that helped you or lended to how you performed, your ability to kind of go out there, do extracurriculars? How do you think that, that helped?
0: Yeah, it's so easy to be friends with people in high school because you do see them every day and you don't actually need to make an effort to see anyone. Um, you just see them five days a week and you spend so much time with them. And I think my friends really pushed me to strive to be the best version of myself. I think they challenged me and they helped me through different things. They helped me when I was struggling in class, but also when I was struggling with my friends. And when I told them I really wanted to be school captain in year 12, they helped me to do the things that got me there. So I think that our friendship group really supported each other throughout both the really great times and celebrated each other's successes, but also... I mean really supported each other when things got tough and hard and for me my family was sick quite a lot when I was in high school and so my friends throughout high school really supported me and helped me and helped my family when things got really hard there. So I think I was very lucky with the group of friends that I had because it definitely could have gone one of two different ways and yeah.
1: So interesting and I would love to dive into your family life during this time. I think it obviously now has played such a huge role with Little Dreamers. And I remember the first time we connected, we talked a lot about it. So look, firstly, talk to us a little bit about why you decided to start Little Dreamers. And I mean, you were 16 years old. Where was your head at? What were you feeling? Give us the goods. I think I just wanted something that made me stand out a little bit more. <laughs> more than school captain or more than anything else.
0: <laughs> I um, I grew up as a young carer for both my brother and my mum. So from a very young age, I took on roles alongside my dad that probably a lot of kids wouldn't necessarily need to take on. I knew how to pour out my brother's medicine. I knew how to set up his nebulizer. I knew how to uh, call an ambulance and what to do when he was having a seizure and then... The year, actually the year that I moved to my second high school, my graduating high school was the year my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was a, 2007 was a very big year for me. Um, but I didn't really, I guess when I moved schools, I didn't, my brother didn't move with me the same year I moved. So I had a year at a different school to him, which was a weird experience because I really I didn't really tell anyone about my brother being sick or him always being in hospital. And then when my mum got sick later that year, my parents told the school uh, because I refused to go to school for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden I became that, that girl whose mum had cancer. So I didn't want to be that girl. I didn't tell my friends but... As her treatment went on and I needed a place to stay or I wanted to be out of my family situation, my friends really came to the ball with that. I I stayed at their houses a lot. I used to run away from home a lot and I used to go to their houses a lot. So my friends were really accepting and and really supportive when mum was sick. My high school life was a bit different because of that. I did. I started Little Dreamers when I was in year 11. So um, I mean, I don't recommend starting a, a business when you're in your final two years of school, but I did it with two of my friends, one who I went to school with and one who I didn't. And we just kind of made it work. I, I was so passionate about Little Dreamers that it sometimes it came before my schoolwork, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't have. But I had this idea of what I wanted to do with it and how I wanted to support young carers around Australia. And I kind of saw my schoolwork as a way to teach me what I should and shouldn't be doing with a business rather than teach me how to read Othello and things like that.
1: <laughs> oh, we love Othello. There you go. No, I. it's so interesting hearing it, Maddie. I think, you know, just hearing of everything you went through, the tough things, tough, tough life things that usually, I mean, you know, we, we hope never to go through them, but some, most of the time it's when we're a lot older and we're a lot more mature. Where, you know, you had to go through them with when I mean, you were so young and you were dealing with pressures and, of not fitting in, with bullying, with moving different schools, with everything else. How do you think that shaped you into, I guess, who you are today? I
0: think that I was and still am a lot more resilient than A lot of other people that I grew up with. I think that um, I've gotten used to going with the flow and that doesn't mean that I'm very good at it but I've gotten used to things changing and adapting and having to change quickly and and things not being the same day to day. And I think that's really helped me both in high school, because yes, you you think you know what you're studying and you think you know what you want to do after you graduate, but that may not actually be the case. And it definitely wasn't the case for me. But in the last 10 years as well, I think that being able to go with the flow and being able to adapt and change and be resilient in the face of challenges has really helped me. And I think that all comes from my high school life, both in being bullied and growing up as a young carer mm. as well. Mm.
1: Huge. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, that decision to start Little Jameis. You said you had your two friends there. You were in year 11 and you were like, we're going to do this. Did you have any fears like going into this?
0: I think I was so naive that I just thought it would work. And I think that's the beauty that we have in our school communities now that we didn't necessarily have when I was there is that we have all these programs now that teach young kids to code and to set up their own businesses and entrepreneurial things that we didn't have at all when I was at school. So now it's more common that people start their own businesses or have these ideas or start a side hustle, as it's called. And I think that because there wasn't that knowledge of young people starting a business back in 2009, when we launched Little Dreamers, I was a bit naive that I just thought it would work, but I also thought that it would stay a lot smaller than what it has become today. And I thought that it would just be a side hustle that I'd continue to do voluntary while I got what they call a proper job, I guess. (laughs) Um, And that's not how life works. And I'm really happy that that's not how it worked. But at the same time, yeah, I just think, I was like, oh yeah, this could be fun. I don't think I realised how, how much work
1: it would be, but yeah. There you go. And when it, when it was starting to be like a lot of work and you were going, oh my goodness, okay, I've got year 12 to juggle with now, you know, how did you navigate that? I
0: loved year 12. I know that's a really controversial opinion, but I, I found that I loved most of my schoolwork. I really struggled with my schoolwork. I remember having this absolute meltdown the year, the night before my year 12 history exam. Um, cause I studied Russian and Chinese revolutions and like, why would anyone do that to themselves? But I, I loved it. I loved all the subjects that I chose. I loved my friendship group. I loved that I had a leadership role within the school. I loved that I had little dreamers on the side and I was never bored. And, um, I think I like binge watch TV shows on the side to give myself a break. And yeah, I mean, I loved Year 12 so much that it was kind of balancing Little Dreamers with study felt like it was just what I was meant to do. And because I'd gotten so good at juggling life with my caring role, it came quite naturally to me, that multitasking kind of life, uh, which they say multitasking isn't very good for you, but... I disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've made it work. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so it's so interesting. I think as we progress and even now, obviously, as the head of your company, it's like you have to multi you have to juggle a million different things in the one time. And it's just so interesting that sometimes those traits were built in you at such an early age. If we backtrack to even, I guess, that Struggle you went through right before you decided to go, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to start an organisation that's going to solve this issue for other people. How did you learn to manage multiple things? You know, is there something that we can learn from you in terms of that?
0: I think when it comes to managing lots of different things at once, it kind of just comes from often you don't know that you're learning it. I definitely didn't know that I was learning it. I think that I mean, when you're in high school, for those who do have extracurricular activities and for those that have things on the weekend and for those who grew up as carers like me, which is like one in 10 kids around Australia who grow up with a caring role, you kind of just learn to juggle those things. You don't really have another choice. And even for young people who don't grow up with a caring role, when you've got things that you love doing outside of school, you've got passions that you love and you've got homework and you've got like watching Netflix and I don't know I didn't really have I I had my space in school so I mean you couldn't really use that on your phone I don't think I don't think I even had a smartphone so like we you just learn how to juggle things and I think today um young people are a lot more savvier with juggling than we were growing up but at the same time the skills that I learned in high school have definitely made me into the person that I am today and a lot of people say that, oh, I'm definitely not the same person I was in high school. But I mean, we still have the same traits and same values and we just might look a bit older and, and have so... different hair styles that yeah. suit us a bit better than what I graduated.
1: With. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love this. Talk to me about your style at high school. You oh know, God. were you tomboyish? Did you love more dresses and girly things? Um,
0: I always wore a ribbon in my hair. Always, I, I remember I wore a lot of eyeliner and I had black nail polish. And I got my nose pierced when I was sixteen. But in saying that, I wasn't. I was like way too good to be the type of person that I was trying to be. I wanted to be this really cool person, but at the same time, I was a straight A student and really cared what my teachers thought about me. So yeah, I. I wore a lot of ribbons in my hair and I always had a perfect school uniform that wasn't too short but wasn't too long. Um, I got really good at, we had to wear a tie at school. So I got really good at at doing my tie up and doing everyone else's tie up. I I was kind of a bit of both. I, I definitely wasn't sporty, so I couldn't, I didn't really fit in with, the girls that were super sporty i always wanted to be and i have the worst coordination in the entire world i was a dancer at school i competed in school aerobics national championships mm. so
1: did i really
0: there you go <laughs> i was
1: it was up in sydney one yeah. year yes. yeah yes <gasps> we didn't know each other then no
0: we didn't well. my team was wearing a we were doing a it was, like, to Thriller. We had, like, a Thriller mix, which had Thriller and Monster Mash in it, and we had, like, our face painted like we were coming out of coffins, out of the dead. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um I mean, you do what you have to do, right? Correct. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I wasn't a super girly girl. I remember wearing, I went through this phase where I would wear like four singlets layered on top of each other where you just see a little bit of each colored singlet. Wow. I don't know why. <laughs> and I wore, we had like these, these bracelets, like these jelly string bracelets and every oh, colour meant those. something different. And I wore them all the way up my arm and those like live strong, like, bracelets I don't know why
1: this is what happens back in the day it's just you almost cringe at your style oh my goodness oh Maddie Look, I want to dive a bit deeper into the moment so your high school graduation so you kind of alluded to the fact that in year 12 you know it was a year almost like one of your best years you loved it so much what was that those final couple of days like for you
0: um, we had a couple of really naughty kids in our year and we had our muck-up day cancelled, huh. which I was everyone was devastated about. And it was like the worst thing in the entire world. Um, but on our very last day of school, we did a Year 12 assembly in the morning and then we left the school around lunchtime and then had, had our valedictory dinner that night. So I remember um, we had our Year 12 assembly opened up with like a kind of a techno remix of one of the Lion King songs and we were all dressed in like animal print and came like crawling through the hall. I don't really know why and we'd practiced for weeks like we had dance rehearsals the whole year level was involved and then me and my co-school captain had to give a speech and he may have been out a little bit late too too late the night before so that was interesting and then yeah and then we had a couple of other performances and all the school captains oh my god this is so embarrassing all the school captains did a dance to we're all in this together from high school musical yes and the girls wore the boys sports uniform and the boys wore the girls netball uniforms and we did the dance to we're all in this together from high school musical like the exact dance from the movie
1: (laughs) As you do, yeah. You
0: know. I think it was meant to be more funny than it was. You watch the video back, and you're like, nobody's laughing except <laughs> for us. And then the whole year level like kind of joins in at the oh, end. It's really wow. funny. And then we had a group of girls do like a boy band medley dance, and they were dressed up as Justin Bieber and the Backstreet Boys, and that yeah. Ah.
1: Oh. It was all happening.
0: It was all happening. And then we finished that and I think we went around and got people to sign our school uniform and all that kind of stuff and then, yeah, went home, got my hair and makeup done, put on a pretty pink, very pink dress. And we had pre-drinks at my house with my friends and family and I got a pink corsage to match with my very pink dress and then got a limousine to... uh, Our valedictory dinner.
1: There you go. But
0: this was all before exams happened.
1: I find it so strange that that's often the case. It's like we're celebrating yet we haven't even passed. Like we're not even.
0: And then you kind of have to be, you have this big valedictory dinner dance thing. And I remember we all went down to the beach after our valedictory in like our dresses and heels and everything. And then you have to just go and study the next day because you've got like a week before your English exam. (laughs) I don't know
1: why they do this to us. It's no. it's absurd. Oh my goodness. Oh, Maddie, your stories. Look, I want to dive a bit deeper into where your head was at during this time. So you're finishing high school. Like mm-hmm. that's it. You've yeah. built this phenomenal kind of awesome organization, even though it was a side hustle. You know, I guess talk to us a little bit about what you were feeling on those last couple of days and what you kind of thought about your career, what was going to happen after high school, little dreamers. I cried mm. a lot. I
0: thought it was the end of the world. I had applied to do a Bachelor of Health Sciences to be a dietitian. And for those who know me well know that my diet sucks. <laughs> I live on a diet of, like, chocolate and occasionally a piece of fruit. Yes. And I would make the worst dietitian ever. But my career counsellors in school were like, oh yeah, you love health and human development. Why don't you go and study something in that? And they hadn't really taken into consideration the fact that I had my own business or I might be interested in business or marketing or I'd studied media in year 12 and I absolutely loved it. And they hadn't even taken that into consideration. So I think graduating from high school and finishing my exams, I was terrified of what the next steps were and what my life would look like after high school because you're so nurtured and you're so kept in this bubble of, yes, you're engaged with the world around you, but you're not really, you don't, you don't have to be out in the world every day. You don't know what that looks like. I mean, you don't even know what people do between eight and three Monday to Friday because you're being at school for your entire life. So, yeah, I remember that summer after graduation, oh, like I was just a blur. I had no idea what to do with myself. I got really bored. All I wanted to do was study. And then I got to university
1: and I dropped out within six months. Hmm. See, it's like it's not it's not what they say, you know. It's not when people pigeonhole you. Did you feel like you were being pigeonholed?
0: Yeah. Hmm. I felt like because I was school captain in year 12 and because I had done quite well in my end of year marks and things like that, that people had expected greatness from hmm. me and they'd expected greatness straight away. And I felt like I had all this pressure on me to perform and to a lot of my peers just went into courses and loved them and found these new friends and kind of just fit into this new world outside of high school. And I didn't. And I felt like an absolute failure.
1: How do you pick yourself up when you feel like a failure?
0: I took six months off after my first six months at uni and I actually got glandular fever because, you know, that happens to the best of us. And I was really sick and I couldn't I had no idea where I was going. I tried another course for a year and still didn't like it. Went back to my year 12 media teacher and said to him, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And I still, I had little dreamers on the side and yes, it was going well, but it was still a baby. And we were supporting a couple of hundred kids every year. And he said to me, well, I don't know why you never studied marketing. And so I said to him, what course do you recommend? And he told me and I applied for it and got in and didn't even read the handbook or anything. And it was the best decision I ever made. But he had taken into account the fact that I had little dreamers and the type of person that I was, and he really believed in me. And I think that by that point, I didn't believe in myself anymore. So it was nice to have someone who said, no, I think you should do this. I think you'll succeed at this. And having that backing and having that someone who said, no, I I think you can do it and I don't think you're a failure was something that was really important to me and definitely needed by that point because I was two years out of high school. Most of my friends only had one year of their degree to go and then they were going to graduate and I was just starting all over.
1: How do we start all over when we've come off a high? You know, I think you came off a high in year 12 you know year 12 wasn't the issue it was right (laughs) after that you know for most of us for me it was year 12 wasn't bloody hell. it was so difficult and I guess coming out of it I went on a high after year 12 whereas you did the opposite how do you navigate through the drop after your high Yeah, it's hard. I mean, my high school
0: life was really hard before year 12. Mm. And I really, really struggled leading up to year 12. So year 12 to me felt like not a breeze because obviously the studying was really hard and I've never worked. I don't think I've ever worked that hard in my entire life the year that I studied year 12. But Yeah, I think coming out of that, I really had to figure out who I was again, and I had to figure out what I loved doing and what I was passionate about, and it always came back to Little Dreamers. And I think that I was lucky that I had that because I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't had Little Dreamers, if I was so lost. And I mean, I have friends still... 27, 28, 29 years old who have no idea what they're doing with their life and that's okay. Most of the time I don't know what I'm doing with my life and definitely in my business I have no idea what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis but I think that I'm very lucky that I had little dreamers that I was so passionate about because it meant that when I didn't know what I was doing I could always channel my energy and frustration in the world and in life into my business and I'm the type of person who gets really frustrated really easily and I channel a lot of that into what I'm doing rather than using that as a deterrence. I I think anger motivates me a little bit and the pressure or ability to prove people wrong also motivates me. And I think it always has. I think from when I moved schools in high school, my want and desire to prove the bullies wrong, that they weren't right about me, that I wasn't the person that they were making me out to be, pushed me to move schools and it pushed me to become this new person when I did move schools and, Then when I was, I mean, I was still bullied at my new school, everyone is, but I just, it, it, yeah, it pushed me to prove them wrong. I had this desire throughout my life. And my mum will always tell you that when I was in primary school, I was bullied because I couldn't skip, like on the skipping rope, I think, or even it was like normal skipping, I don't know. And apparently I skipped day and night to prove this girl wrong that I could actually skip. And I think that's taken me through life to many different places because the whole time I've had this desire to say, well, I'm not the person that you thought I was going to be. I can be so much more than that.
1: That is huge, Maddie. I think so many of us are underestimated or we're bullied or we're made to feel like we're not good enough, you know, and I think it's often the anger. It can go both ways and it's so good that for you that the anger actually fueled you to do more and to be bigger and better. I guess that lends to... When you were trying to navigate Little Dreamer straight after that graduation period and when you were confused about everything, how did you channel that into something good, into Little Dreamers? Like, how could we learn to do that?
0: I had a lot of people who I would go into meetings with people and they would say, oh, no, come back when you've got your parents with you. <sighs> like saying, what do my parents have to do with this? They wouldn't be useful in a meeting like this. They have no idea what's going on. And so I think I used people not think not taking me seriously as no i'm going to prove to you that this is serious for me and I think for everyone who doesn't have a business it's also like that I think that we talk to ourselves like that sometimes Mm. and we're like oh well we're not good enough to do this or they say that I think there's a research report somewhere that says that when you look at a job application women if you can do nine out of ten things but you can't do that last thing you won't apply for the job but men will and it's a very big generalization but men will look at it and go I can do one thing out of those ten things I'm going to apply for the job and I think that that's that self-talk that we give ourselves. And I definitely have that as someone who has grown up with at times very debilitating anxiety. I think that um, I have that self-doubt in me all the time, but it's turning that around and using, I guess, channeling anger against that self-doubt and saying, no, you know what? That's just my mind telling me stories. I can actually be better than this and I can make a difference and I can achieve whatever I want to. And using that anger kind of against yourself, mm-hmm. but in a very positive way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've slammed so many doors in my life that I broke a door frame when I was a teenager. So I've definitely used anger in the wrong ways as well. And we learn from our mistakes. Oh,
1: of course we do. <laughs> no, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think just on that point that you made around that self doubt, I think often we can be our own worst enemies, and it's, I honestly believe that that's most of the time we can. You know, what strategies would you give to all the phenomenal women listening? on how to actually just appreciate who we are and go after what we want.
0: Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you meet someone in your life, who whoever that might be, who you are impressed by or inspired by or who motivates you to want to try more, Bring them into your life and do whatever you need to do to keep that inspirational motivation around, whether that's becoming friends with someone or whether that's following a podcast or watching a great movie or a documentary or whatever it might be. Just keep that person or that thing in your life as much as you can, because you need that positive self-talk. And if you find someone who can give that to you, whether that's in person or not, I mean, I find books do that for me, that when I find a book that transports me into this crazy place and makes me feel good about myself, then I'm going to keep reading books like that. Or I'm going to keep my friends around that give me this happy glow that I've finally found because that's how we get rid of the negative self-talk. But it takes, I mean, it's taken me 10 years to get here and I still have to practice and figure this out every day and make it a very conscious decision to be happy. Or when that self-talk does come into my head to actually knock it back because, Nobody needs that. But it's taken me, I mean, 27 years to get to where I am and I'm not perfect at it. And my friends and my colleagues will tell you that there are days where I crawl into a ball on the floor in my office and I cry. And everyone needs that because sometimes life is just too overwhelming. But if we learn to kick that voice out of our head every so often, because it is so often that it is that negative self-talk that makes us believe that we're not good enough. It's not usually people telling us we're not good enough. It's ourselves telling us we're not good enough. So it takes practice, but I think keeping those people around you that bring that happy light is really important.
1: So well said, Maddie. What I find so interesting about you is that this idea of, I feel like you're very connected to people. I feel like this ability to, from... When you're in high school, even though you struggled so much with the bullying and then move schools, when you finally found your tribe, I feel like they just got you through and even now it seems to be the same with little dreamers and even the woman that you are now. How important is it for us to find our tribe and what can we do to find them?
0: So important. My mum always used to tell me that I'll just find my people one day, and it may not be in high school, it may be in university or wherever it might end up being. But she always reassured me that I would find my people one day, and she was so right. I, I think that the people that I'm friends with now are the people that I need right now, and the people that I had in high school were the people that I needed. At that time, it's so important. And you may not find your tribe at school. It may be through an extracurricular activity. It may be through a youth group. It may be through an entrepreneurial organisation. I found my first tribe for Little Dreamers that helped me get through that and in 2015 when I joined like a personal development program. Yeah, it was just, it's so important. I can't stress that enough, but I also want to stress that you you won't necessarily find those people where you are right now and that's okay as well. And I don't know whether it's about looking for them consciously or not, because I don't think I consciously looked for them. I think I just kept putting myself out there to a point where you eventually find them and everything just clicks and makes sense.
1: Mm. I love that. So well said. Oh, Maddie, look, as we move into the final segment of today's podcast, firstly, I just want to talk about what advice would you give you know, to yourself in high school, to the 18 or 17-year-old Maddie that was just graduating? What advice would you give?
0: Stop comparing yourself to other people. Everyone has a different timeline in their life. Some people know exactly who they're going to be when they graduate from high school. Some people have met their lifelong partner when they're in high school. Some people move out of home straight away. Some people, I mean, even now, like I have so many people who are either married or divorced or have kids or have never left Australia. And I just needed to stop comparing myself and where I was at in my life with my friends and my peers, because everyone is different. And it doesn't help to compare yourself to them.
1: So great. I could not agree more. Look, Maddie, would you have done anything differently in that final year and those last couple of days in high school? You know, is there anything that you regret?
0: I don't think I regret anything. I think that I definitely would have chosen what to study differently. But then again, that's what's made me who I am today. So I wouldn't go back and change that. But I don't think there's anything I regret. I think I've just learnt from... The type of person that I was, and I don't know. I've learnt not to wear lots of black nail polish
1: and dark eyeliner.
0: And dark eyeliner. In saying that,
1: <laughs> it's on today.
0: It's, it's, plum. it's
1: plum. Well, there you today, go. We black. like plum. Plum yeah. works. No, <laughs> love it. <laughs> okay. So, look, Maddie. A couple more questions for you. What would you tell your sixteen-year-old self who just kind of started Little Dreamers and it was all happening, and maybe you were nervous, confused, but you had your friends there for you. What advice would you give to her?
0: This is going to be the best journey you're ever going to take in your life. And it's going to be incredibly hard and it's going to take blood, sweat and tears, literally. But it's going to take you to the most incredible places around the world. And you're going to have some of the most pinching, like pinch yourself moments ever. Um, And it's going to be so worth it.
1: I love that chase your dreams is what they say. Exactly. Oh, Maddie, one of the final questions is, you know, why do you think high school and in, in particularly year 12 and that final year is such a pivotal moment in a woman's life?
0: You really figure out who you want to be and who you are in high school and what the difference is between who you are now and who you want to be. And you're not going to be that person when you graduate. It's a journey. But I think throughout high school, it's just you've spent majority of your life there. Your teachers know you better often than your parents do. And you meet your childhood friends and they go through things with you that nobody else will ever go through with you in your life. And you share experiences and hilarious stories like me falling off the stage in my year 11 school play with these people and no one will ever understand that. And so I think the end of year 12 or throughout year 12 in your high school graduation, it kind of feels like the end of a, a part of you that no matter who you meet in your life, they'll never get to know that part of you. And I think that's a really special thing because it means that if you didn't like who you were in high school, you didn't want to be that person anymore. You have the opportunity to change that. If you loved who you were in high school, then great. Keep going with that. And yeah, I just think it's, it's exciting because it's the start of something new, if you want to quote High School Musical. But it's also, it's also like the end of something. So you have this real mix and I don't think you necessarily get that experience at any other
1: point in your life. Oh, Maddie, it has been so interesting and insightful going back with you. It's As you tell your story, it reminds me of mine. And I think, you know, high school and especially year 12, that graduation period, it's been so great to dive into this with you and your experience. So look, Maddie, the final question is how we finish every episode of the Unforgettable Moments podcast. And that is, why was this moment, your high school graduation, truly unforgettable?
0: Oh, God. I, I think because I got to surround myself with my friends and just celebrate the last 12 years of our lives and we got to celebrate all of our hard work. And you don't, even when you go to university, you don't put in as much work as you do throughout year 12 and throughout your high school life and yeah I just I don't think I want to go and look at all my high school graduation photos now I think that yeah it's just it gives you this feeling that you never get anywhere else
1: thank you so much for sharing your unforgettable moment with us
0: thanks for having me
1: thank you for listening to the unforgettable moments podcast bye forever new and if you loved going behind the curtain with us and hearing about the pivotal moments that help shape these incredible women, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. For updates on new episodes and the upcoming featured women, follow Forever New on Instagram at forevernew underscore official or sign up to Forever You Rewards at forevernew.com.au.